And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Podcasts. By the way, we are streaming at those times on richarddugan.com. Just click on the link in the upper right-hand corner of the page, <clears throat> of every page of of the website. Podcasts are at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and a bunch of others. We hope that you will avail yourselves of the podcasts because many, many, many times we go way beyond, way beyond the 50 minutes that this uh, station allows us <clears throat> for time. You know, we have to make room for other programs, other ideas, other concepts, which is a very good thing. And uh, so please, Avail yourselves of those podcasts. And when you're listening to the SoundCloud podcast, there's a grocery cart in the upper right-hand corner. Click on it. That takes you to our guest's website, today's guest as well, where you can continue your evolutionary process. You can continue to see what else is out there, to uh, figure out <clears throat> uh, where to go next and, and how to, uh, to find those new ways of living, if you will. Uh, as well as those uh, choices that you didn't know even existed. And if you uh, like what we're doing, you'd like to support us financially, we are grateful for that. We have a PayPal and Patreon account so that you can support us financially. Any amount is gratefully appreciated. And for those who have supported, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those who will, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those who uh, um, are just going to support us energetically, which we appreciate too, I thank you as well. It's uh, great uh, to have you listening to these programs. And as of this broadcast, we are over 12,200 listens since January 1st of 2018. Eventually, I'm going to get around to posting the programs from 2007 to 2017 up on SoundCloud, uh, but uh, that is a, a rather arduous process that I have to do. I am the webmaster. I'm the host of the program. I'm the producer, the director, makeup, <laughs> and all of those other things. Today's program, I think you're going to enjoy. I know that I am because I'm, a, as you all know, a big animal lover. Uh, not only do we have, as you've heard me talk about Angus many, many times, our uh, 110, 120-pound uh, Black King Shepherd, who we took on our wonderful vacation Thanksgiving up to uh, uh, the outskirts of Yosemite and uh, took him to the snow. He uh, wasn't a fan at that particular point. He might at somewhere down the road, but not a real fan this time. But we also have, uh, we had four chickens. We now have seven because uh, we're helping out a friend who uh, basically says, I, I can't, like, I'm not caring for them or whatever the case might be. So, could you take them? And we said, sure. And we have five cats. And to that end, that takes us to our guest who is going to share with us uh, his and his son's vision of Ninja Cat, Whiskers Choice. And uh, my guest is, of course, the, the author. I almost want to say the, the co-author, along with his son who illustrated the book, uh, Justin. Uh, Justin is the dad and his son, Corrigan, uh, is the kid. <laughs> He's the it was edited. The book was edited by he and it's uh, Dunner. I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program today. Yeah, thanks. How many cats do you have? 
Uh, just one cat right now. Just one cat right now. But we come from a, a long line of cat lovers uh, on the on the significant other side. So she brought the love of cats into my heart, and we picked up a rescue cat after we moved here to uh, uh, the Twin Cities. And ever since then, I'm sold on the cat life. I was a dog guy before that, but this guy Lando, this this cat changed my whole perspective. My whole perspective on the on the felines. Lando, let me get Lando. Uh, what Calrissian? <laughs> uh, no, Lando. Lando Vader. We took our two favorite characters. Oh, great, <laughs> great. Up. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Your son's illustrations are wonderful. How old is he? Or how old was he when he was drawing the uh, the uh, uh, graphics, the illustrations for the book? Sure. Well, we worked on those together. The The final drawings actually were mine, but he and I sketched out the character um, concepts and everything um, while we were putting together the the storyline. And he and I have been drawing since, you know, as far back as he's been able to hold a crayon. Hmm. How is how has this uh, impacted your relationship with your son? I mean, this is, you know, I mean, we're talking about what I would perceive as a significant bonding experience. Oh, definitely. And that's, that was, that was a lot of the motivation for it, you know, is to spend some time with him talking about, you know, <laughs> interest rates and <laughs> uh, some other things. I'm like, where else am I going to be able to hold his attention, uh, you know, to try to talk about some of these things. So it, it was a terrific experience, not only in the, the drawing elements, uh, talking about the content and the topics of, of the story, but then to be able to work with him through a process end to end that was, you know, pretty, pretty grueling. I mean, it's a 140 page book and he had uh, input on, you know, pretty much every page at some point. So for him to be able to contribute that way that long and that meaningfully, you know, right before uh, he turned 11 is, you know, has been a great thing for his confidence, too, and his ability to just believe in himself and getting getting something done that you put your mind to, you know, getting a goal in mind and something that's productive and helpful and see it all the way through. It was a really, really fun process. Ninja Cat Whiskers of Choice is uh, uh, very interesting because uh, <clears throat> my book called Choices Five Steps for Life. Uh, choices are, are a big deal. And, and when you and I, as adults, we take a look at the different opportunities that are available to us, the different things we can do, it's great. But kids don't have uh, necessarily uh, that awareness of all of those choices. However, they have one thing that we, as adults, sort of, uh, sort of kind of lose along the way sometimes, and then it takes a while for us to get it back. And that's, that's imagination. Uh, you know, and, and, and I would venture that, uh, <clears throat> that your son Corgan, uh, obviously has, has a great imagination and sometimes comes up with uh, ideas that are like, what, really? And you, you almost have to sit there and, and, and do a double take and say, <laughs> yeah, no oh doubt the yeah, okay. I can see how that might work. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sounds like you've worked with a kid before. <laughs> well, I was one once, and I had uh, a brother and four sisters, and I um, uh, haven't had any kids of my own, but I have animals, as I mentioned at the front end of the program. <clears throat> and um, it's it's been, for me, 
quite an experience only because I didn't really have pets, not dogs and cats, when I was a kid growing up. Although uh, we did, there was a German shepherd that came into our lives as a family for a short time. And then uh, we had a cat who was actually a calico cat who we named Calico, who adopted us. And I still remember the day that she left. She happened to be on top of the, uh, the LTD station wagon. And uh, my mother didn't notice that Calico was sitting on the roof. And she drove off. Uh-oh. And odds are that when she got to her destination, Calico climbed down and said, Okay, I've had my ride. Bye-bye. Uh, but we didn't we didn't know until <clears throat> uh, sometime later that that she had she had gone. Um, oh, but but at the same time, she was a wonderful cat, loving cat. Uh, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. But my parents, you know, we had hamsters. My sister, uh, my oldest sister had um, a parakeet. I do remember that. Um, and those kinds of uh, critters. But. When you're talking about a dog or a cat, uh, the one thing that's nice about cats, and I'm sure you can share with us this, is that <clears throat> compared to dogs, because you've had one too, mm-hmm. cats are pretty much, you know, uh, they, they can take care of themselves for the most part, as opposed to a dog who needs to be taken care of. And I love the uh, joke the, that someone shared with me once that a dog Looks up at uh, looks up at the master and says, "Oh boy, uh, God is going to give me a treat or this or that or the other." And the cat sits there. Well, it's about time they served me. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we we joke that our cat is a puppy cat. He's got a lot of puppy dog traits. Uh, he's he's uh, definitely independent, but he likes to hang out. He always shows up. <laughs> Uh, for movie night or you know when we get home he greets us at the door every day and he's got a lot of those man's best friend characteristics that I didn't see in cats before hence why I was not a cat guy mm-hmm. but <laughs> but we turned the corner with this one this 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 character uh, has really been uh, uh, you know an actual member of the family like I you know like our dogs were yeah know, yeah. What are some of the lessons that you, as a, a cat owner, a cat lover now, uh, have learned uh, not only through the cat and its behavior, um, Lando, but also through the interaction of yourself, uh, Corrigan, and, and your significant other, uh, to having not just a cat, but having this entity, if you will, um, sometimes even I mean, when you think about animals from another world, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, what uh, are some yeah. of the, the profound lessons that you, that you are able to take away from these this experience? And again, this is ongoing. So uh, obviously in a year we could come back and you'd have new lessons. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And the lessons, uh, you know, personally, you know, with 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 this cat is his ability to just really be in the moment. He really that's I don't think he has a thought much beyond the moment and appreciating, uh, you know, 
the warm sun in the afternoon when he's just laying there taking a nap or just being petted and just coming up and wanting some affection and attention. And, uh, you know, when my son is upset or even when we're, you know, upset, he just seems to find his way uh, into into your room in those moments, you know, and just uh, the, the simplicity of how well he just accepts life as it is and really just seems to live that good life. And I mean, holy cow, here we are as adults and, and humans stressing about all these things and trying to make everything work and fit some kind of plan and scheme. And earlier we were talking about that millennial dream of home ownership and all that business but a cat man he just chills <laughs> he just needs a little food little water some pets some hugs hanging out a little sunshine and i mean he is the happiest thing in the room most of the time and i think there's something in that that gets lost in you know the way that kids and my son can bring that creativity back in life i think that the cat brings that uh mindfulness and that appreciation for just here and now that I think we lose a lot of with all our tech and everything else we got distracting us. A cat does not, our cat anyway, he is not one of those distracted cats. He pops in and hangs out and really just um, highlights, highlights that appreciation in life that we all need. Now you come from a world, a very logical, very material world, uh, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to to finance uh, and so forth. Uh, and, and if I'm reading correctly, criminologist, chef, as well as, of course, now author uh, and uh, a financial, um, oh, I don't know, advisor and so forth. Uh, you know, I, I've often I've been frustrated with that concept because uh, of two things. Number one is that uh, in order for me to get advice, I've got to pay someone, which everybody is justified in you know, charging uh, whatever they want for the services they provide. I just always found it strange from uh, from my perspective. It's kind of like insurance when I first started thinking about it. I'm going to have to give up some of that which I'm trying to hold on to in order to hold on to what little I'll get to keep. <laughs> yeah, know, right. Well, there's no, there is a wave of change in the industry for that reason that these fees are dropping like rocks on mm -hmm. many, many products. Um, because people weren't engaging, they weren't getting involved because it doesn't make sense when, you know, you go through your cycle of investments and you've earned, you know, X amount of dollars, but minus Y fees leaves you with very little than what you started with. So. Yeah, exactly. And then the other part is, <clears throat> and I joke about this uh, in reference to economists, when the economic news comes out, and it doesn't matter what the news is, it just doesn't matter. The economists aren't happy. There's always something wrong, even with good numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I sit here going, okay, um, let me just ask you, Mr. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Economist, what numbers would make you happy so that you could just shut the hell up for a while? <laughs> Is it? Everything's <laughs> everything's good, and 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 so because everybody's experience is a little different, obviously. But I always found that very strange that that you know it didn't matter the number, no matter if, if the numbers were sky high, because then they're saying okay, because they're going rocket high, there's going to be a major correction somewhere down the road, and and recession, depression, um, collapse, blah 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 blah. Yeah, and I mean all that stuff is is foreign to most folks it was very i mean i you know until i actually got into the 
workplace. I only had a, a entry level amount of understanding. And that's why I wanted to start that conversation with my son with Ninja Cat is to throw that idea out there of, of finance, of loans and interest rates and compound interest and, you know, the way that the system kind of works so that you can get beyond all that noise you hear because everybody's got an opinion. And I mean, one of the biggest disclosures on any financial statement is past results do not guarantee future earnings. So you can't even look at the past and guarantee a dang thing tomorrow anyway. Exactly. So all these all these opinions, you know, to each their own. But I wanted my son to just understand, like, here's, you know, a pretty important concept when yeah. it comes to money. And that that's interest in loans and how that really adds up in a way that is really abstract. And it's hard to wrap your head around it. And I didn't first get that education until I was like in high school, you know, oh, where wow. you start hearing about some of these things. And, you know, until I actually had a credit card. And a, and a a pretty uh, decent dent in it, <laughs> and I get a couple of those bills. Like, wait a minute, how do I owe more than I took out? <laughs> you know, and then you start to really learn about it when it's here and now. But by then, it's a little bit too late. And we saw it in '08 with mortgages, with the housing crisis, people getting in over their heads, taking on loans, not understanding terms and rates, and things like that. I mean, we're only 11 years removed from that crisis and it seems that people have already forgotten. And so the idea of what a loan entails and not only the finance behind it, but the stress behind it, like you said, decisions, choices, mm -hmm. making choices under stress with financial stress. I mean, that is a big epidemic right now in you know all age groups, but I know particularly the under 40 group, you know, 40s, 30s, we're in our 20s and 30s here looking like, well, uh, this situation with some pretty basic math does not add up very well. <laughs> and if you don't understand, you know, some of these principles, you could wind up in a situation where you're just st stuck without as many options to choose from because once your path is set, it can take a while to remedy. It absolutely can. I love what Will Rogers said once. <clears throat> you can uh, lay economists end to end and they will still all point in different directions. Mm -hmm. um, I find that interesting. And one of the other aspects, too, is it took me a long time to accept and, and begin to have various kinds of insurance because uh, I always felt, especially with health insurance or or life insurance, I should say life insurance that, uh, you know, um, it's it's like uh, uh, rolling the dice, but I'm betting against myself. That was the way that I looked at it. And um, <laughs> and so I thought it's a strange concept. Yeah, it's a strange concept. Yeah. But but at the um, same time, we've had situations with homeowners insurance, renters insurance, for example, where we live here. When we had to be evacuated from uh, from one of these fires that we had a few years ago, I was glad that we had it because I called the insurance company. I said, look, you know, we uh, had to be evacuated and so forth. Is there anything in our policy? Because, again, I hadn't really read it. Is there anything in our policy that covers being evacuated and expenses being covered? Oh, well, of course, with a $1,000 deductible, blah, 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 blah. So go out. Don't go nuts. You can't go to the four-star restaurants and eat, what have you. But you, you can... Obviously, do what you need to do to, to get clothing and food and shelter. <clears throat> and then you submit all the receipts and we will re reimburse you uh, minus the $1,000 deductible. And I thought, wow, that's okay. Thank you. 
I, you mm-hmm. know, so obviously the premiums we pay every month seem like they're exorbitant, but what you get in return sometimes uh, can really make you feel a whole lot better. It's the same thing with, uh, and there's this new kind of insurance. I'm not sure, kind of going off on this tangent here, but it's called gap insurance, which I didn't know about until we bought our truck. <clears throat> and they offered it and they explained it. And they said, basically, if let's say your truck is totaled and you still owe 20000 but it's only valued at 15. That gap insurance covers the five that you would. So you will not have a loan. It will pay off the balance of the loan after the insurance is paid off the 15,000. So uh, we did that with the the truck. We did that with the, the travel trailer that we have the same thing. And I thought, you know, to me, that was a wise investment uh, hoping that we never have to use it, but at least we do know that if we do, then we're right back at zero instead of deep in debt, having to pay off a loan for something we no longer, ha- no longer have, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a trap that catches a lot of folks, yeah. you know, a lot of different ways. So that's, so these are know. the kinds of things that you talked, you've talked to your son Corgan about, and uh, obviously that, that you've learned over the years as well. And what I'm curious about is how you've translated all of this conversation in regards to the material world, whether it be specifically finance or otherwise, into uh, how you've translated all of that into its relevance and its meaning and its importance into the grand scheme of things, uh, the deeper philosophical and or spiritual concepts and constructs uh, that are out there sure um well let's see that's that's something i've got i gotta bounce off a lot of credit to a lot of other people along the way you know you conversations and relationships with people you learn a lot of things and uh you know um i guess with my my life in the route that I've taken from growing up uh, in a, uh, the Pacific Northwest where, you know, environmental concerns were of top priority and the connection between nature and, um, you know, society was valued, held to a high degree of importance through college when I learned about uh, chemistry and organic chemistry and physics. And then you learn how the physical world relates to things in ways that have rules and laws that regulate them. And then to take my religious upbringing, going to church and Sunday school, you know, all the time. And then you try to make balance of this, that, and the other. And then I moved to California and I, you know, learned how to um, relate that to food and to how, uh, you know, a real chef will approach uh, the idea of nutrition in a way that is sustaining your soul your spirit it's not just food to fill you up it's not a buffet it's about you know really giving your life source energy and then uh you know in my travels since then it's like you just the more you learn the more you see the connection and the relationship with things and the trends that really connect us all uh and then as i continued on my education to criminology and society and policing and looking at trends on um that level Uh, more group-centric versus the individual perspective, and you start to see more and more trends and more and more um, ways that these things all sort of make sense. So the challenge was to take all these, you know, ideas um, wrapped around, you know, being a good person that I'm just trying to teach my kid and boil it down into some things that uh, could be conveyed 
through illustrations because a picture of a cat tells a story a whole heck of a lot better than, <laughs> you know, um, than words alone, especially with a, a younger audience. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really been a life process of experiences from the Washington coast down to California, Sacramento and Irvine, and then uh, Minnesota, central Minnesota, um, in the middle of nowhere before I lived in Fargo for a little while, North Dakota there. And then now I'm in the Twin Cities, back in a metro. So, I mean, just a whole lot of experiences from a whole lot of places. And along the way, I'm always trying to see what connects us more than what divides us, because there's enough divisiveness in the world right now. Uh, I decided to try to focus on the the positive trends and then just show that through these pictures. And then we'll work on the next book with more tough topics and and just kind of see how things evolve from there. And what is your what are your philosophical underpinnings? Uh, Well, you know, I started I started up uh, with the conventional Christian upbringing. My mom grew up uh, Irish Catholic. So um, that was a big part of my childhood. And then. We sort of loosened our um, stance on some of the formal aspects. Uh, in any event, though, that biblical um, moral value underpinning has always been very strong in my life. Uh, and then as I got older, though, um, as I mentioned, I got more into science and, and chemistry, that type of study that then inherently puts those two positions at odds, you know, so trying to find the connection rather than the division between science and religion um, was always was always really interesting to me. And then as I moved on in life, though, got caught up with a little bit of that party scene and you um, get to a point of, of excess and then rock bottom. And then that recovery process entails a lot of soul searching and trying to find that philosophical base then to what makes sense for you. And during that process, I read a lot of Eastern philosophy, a lot of uh, philosophical books in the traditional sense. So to balance that with the religious text I'd read, the scientific text I read in these Eastern philosophies, and then uh, just tried to apply as best I could the similar traits within all of those, which there are surprisingly many, um, and just move forward in life, just trying to be a good person and make the best decisions I can every day for, um, you know, helpfulness rather than selfishness, you know, try to get outside of self and do more for others. Yeah. We're talking with Justin Donner and he's got a book out with his son, uh, Corrigan Ninja Cat, Whiskers of Choice, and we're going to continue our conversation uh, with Justin here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Stay tuned. Tell me your stories, I'll do my best to understand you. And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan along with Justin Donner and his son, Corrigan, who is the illustrator, uh, editor, worked with uh, his father, uh, Justin, on this uh, particular work, Ninja Cat, Whiskers of Choice, and uh, uh, we're grateful to have uh, you on the program with us here, uh, Justin. Uh, it's What I find interesting is uh, the things that my parents taught me as I was a kid growing up about money, and even after I left the house and they continued to share with me their experiences, the foibles that they, you know, that they ran into and how they really hoped that they had instilled in me 
those elements that um, would, I don't know, help me along. They wouldn't necessarily protect me because, again, I'm going to make my own choices and so forth. But it's funny how one of the things that I've uh, one of the biggest lessons in regards to to uh, um, especially credit that I have learned. And it helps me uh, not to be irresponsible, mind you. But but at least to to take put it into context that when you borrow X number of dollars and you've signed a contract, whether you've literally signed a contract or as with credit cards, uh, a credit card loan, if you will, or mm-hmm. line of credit, uh, the moment that you use it, you have agreed to the terms. I, I, I think that's kind of how that goes. And one of the things that I did learn was that every company that lends money whether it be credit card or a loan has insurance against the loan if you default and so and so uh and and i i've been through this a a couple of times um and you know you get the calls from the creditors if you're late on a payment or this kind of thing and they make it really tough i mean they 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 go after you i mean uh, with the phone calls and so forth so I stopped answering the phone. That was that simple. Uh, but what I learned was that they have insurance. And what I found fascinating was that with credit card companies and they give you a card and they give you a $5,000 limit, they don't have $5,000, okay, that's in your name, that's sitting over in a pile, that every time you use the card, they take that out and they go pay whatever you purchased. They don't. Th- there is no real money. However, when you pay them... They now have real money. And if you, like many people do, default on that loan, that credit card, they don't lose a dime. They have insurance that covers the loss. Now, they'll right. still they'll they sell still, that debt to another agency. The collection agency buys that debt. So if you owe 6000 on your original five, mm-hmm. they'll sell that for maybe four to the debt collector. And if they can collect, you know, half of that, then that's 2,500 you paid. And, you know, the system there just keeps going. Someone's always making money on it. Right. But it starts out with nothing. There is nothing there. There, there is no, yeah, that's there's the no, part. that's why I wanted to throw this out there, for, you know, yeah. <laughs> for the kids now, like, hey, exactly. just so you know, this new, this new world map is not, save a bunch of pennies in a jar and think that that's how you actually accumulate Mm -hmm. anything. And nowadays too, we don't even have paper money hardly anymore. I mean, my son, my son is living in a world that will never really be a paper money existence. And so then to try to understand, like you said, that you're borrowing money and there's no money there in the first place. And then they still can't even lose money. Even if you don't pay back, they make money. And then they sell that money to someone like the whole thing just after about two steps is like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, And then I also think about the stock market. Now, the original and this is just a very rudimentary understanding on my part. When the stock market began, the whole purpose of it was, oh, Justin, you you have a, a farm and you uh, you you grow corn. All right. You know what? I'm going to invest $10,000 in your farm and I'd like to get, I'm going to be generous and I'd like to get 5% on my uh, uh, 5% return on my investment when you sell your corn to the market. 
And that was the purpose of the stock market in the first place, was to provide capital to individual companies and businesses so that they could move forward and grow and expand and become more successful. And that's gone. There is no such thing as the stock market of old anymore. Now it's manipulating the system, especially with computers, to siphon off as much money as you possibly can before before the price of the stock drops. Yeah, I mean, like that that WeWork situation with uh, that startup that somehow you can be worth forty billion and then suddenly you're only worth seven billion and nothing else happened. Like, how does <laughs> you know? It's not like your house burned down and your value is gone, or it was just the thought of the company's value somehow had a real world implication of billions of dollars. That is. That is a, a way different concept than I'm going to give my farmer $10,000 so that he can sell $20,000 worth of crops and then yeah. throw me a couple bucks back for loaning it to him, <laughs> you yeah. know, to where now it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a great idea. Well, let's see. That idea sounds like it's worth $40 billion. So here's a bunch of stock. You know what I mean? Stock that you can then sell, mm -hmm. presumably because your company is so profitable that it's worth $40 billion. And then when someone actually looks at the paperwork and sees the numbers behind it, they're like, well, no, this company is actually worth far less than that. And now you're stuck losing all the money that you invested in that company because someone just decided it's worth nothing. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's definitely a really abstract financial world that we live in. And that's why I wanted to make sure my kids got a strong foothold on what this whole thing means from, you know, here on out, because a lot of decisions that you make um, have a lot of long-term consequences that I don't think I was prepared for growing up and I don't think a lot of people are prepared for now and the stress that comes with long-term consequence whether it's financial or criminal <laughs> or you know getting married and then divorced when you're really young you know some of these yeah yeah choices we make have really 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 serious consequences but at the time we make that choice we don't give any of that a thought you know yeah. we're not prepared to really take on the seriousness of a loan or of, you know, a relationship or whatever the decision is. But, you know, specifically with the financial situation where, you know, you might go in there, buy a car and you walk out of there thinking you're doing OK. You got a, you know, a loan you can handle, but that's 40 percent of your income. And as soon as you lose your job or something happens, the car company doesn't care. That loan doesn't care. It wants $700 a month no matter what you earn. And if you got that stacked up too many times against you, all of a sudden your whole situation's in trouble. And, uh, you know, that's that's not a that's not a, a reality I'd like my son to find himself into right. uh, because he was naive. You know, if he makes bad choices, fair enough. But, <laughs> you know, I don't want him to be naive and start taking on loans and, you know, uh, leases and other contracts that he's stretched so thin with such a small understanding of the ramifications that when it all falls apart, five years, six years, I mean, a lot of these loans don't bite you next month it's it's a few years later you mm -hmm. know when mm -hmm. they all start to pile up and you hear that people talk about feeling like they're just drowning underwater and they just can't handle you know all of their financial responsibilities like that's not from groceries and phone bills that's from you know that's from those 
big decisions, you know, that you make on slapping 10,000 on a credit card, buying a $50,000, you know, vehicle, uh, getting into a 30 year mortgage on a home based on income that maybe isn't reliable Mm -hmm. for 30 years, (laughs) you know? Well, there's another element I'd like for you to share, talk with us about too. And that is this phrase that I hear a lot of times at the end of economic news stories. And the phrase often is, in these uncertain times. And I want to throw the question out to the person making that statement. So you say we're in uncertain times. Could you tell me when we were in certain times? Because from <laughs> my from my evaluation and my uh, um, uh, diving into history, we've never, ever, as a, a race of people, human beings, never have we ever been in certain times. They've always been uncertain yeah most definitely and i don't think they're gonna you know get certain or more uncertain anytime soon i think it's all perspective and mm-hmm. um, you know with each generation we all got you know s- similar gripes and maybe different gripes but it's <laughs> definitely never certain I-, I would agree with that 100 percent. that is kind of a meaningless statement yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just I, and, and then the other aspect of it, too, is is uh, the ups and downs are going back to the stock market. And what I do is I point people and I say, OK, let's let's go back to the beginning of the stock market. Let's look at the graph from day one to where we are today. Show me what direction the stock market has gone up. Yes, it's had its dips in the 1929 crash. Sure. Yes, it's had its dips, uh, you know, other places, and then 2008, sure. But it's gone up. And uh, the point I'm making, and I'd love for you to talk about, is something you did address uh, just a few moments ago, and that is short-term versus long-term thinking, not just in terms of finance, but also uh, going back to what you also stated, in terms of making choices and thinking not just short term, what am I going to get out of this right now? But what's going to be down the road if I do this today? How have you been able to share that concept with your son? Well, he's not quite old enough, I don't think, for me to give detailed personal examples <laughs> of uh, how short term thinking can kind of set you back. Um, but, uh, you know, with sports, You know, that's a good analogy right now uh, for any kind of timeline situation with him to where I can kind of point out maybe preseason effort and preparation uh, versus the grind of a season. You know, he's played a few baseball seasons right now and we Mm -hmm. watch, you know, football on TV and stuff. So um, a lot of his heroes are sports characters, you know, so bringing those examples around to, to give him at least some. Uh, understandable context about diet, you know, diet every day, you know, if it's not a, you know, if you eat a piece of cake today, that's not a big deal. If you start eating a piece of cake every day thinking it's no big deal, then you're going to find yourself in less fitness, you know, your, your fitness is going to be a little less than what you want it right now. He wants to be the fastest, strongest, quickest. So, you know, he understands that, you know, these fruits and vegetables that you don't like in this moment for the long term, though, are beneficial as he's gotten older, stronger, faster. He sees that he is in good shape. He is able to do the things he wants to do on the sports field. And he n- understands that that's a consequence of the consistent long term choices he made with regards to his diet and his health and his exercise routines. 
um, performance throughout the season. You don't just, you know, play well in the playoffs if you haven't tried at all for the previous several months. You know, you got to put in that work um, day in, day out to, to make that happen. So, um, yeah, you know, that that's the easiest way right now, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to show him uh, how the effort and choice that he makes today has an impact on much longer down the road. And as school has progressed, we have more conversations with this about, you know, getting into the colleges he wants to go to. He wants to, you know, go to Michigan. He wants to, he won't admit it. He won't admit he wants to go to University of California because I did. But, you know, if he ever does want to go to a school like that, you can't just decide tomorrow to do it if you haven't done any work leading up to that point because you're not going to be prepared to, you know, to get there. So Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I think that uh, uh, um, preparation um, is extremely important. And I remember when I first got into this business in 1979, and I was really having a great time, but I thought, you know, I might, might not hurt for me to go to school. So, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a vocational school. And I found one in, in Phoenix uh, where I was born and raised. And I went f- to one of these six-month vocational schools. Now, I jokingly say that I knew more going in than I did coming out (laughs) because I remember an experience where one of the studios had died. The console had just died and they they, they had the engineer in there and, and they were just going over it with a fine tooth comb to which I said, uh, did, uh, and I, again, I was 20 years old. And I said, uh, did you check to see if it's plugged in? And it wasn't plugged in. (laughs) 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 So I think that's probably where that comes from. But I just find it interesting that, uh, that, um, uh, you know, a lot of people think they can just jump into stuff. It's one of the reasons why I feel so strongly about um, my opposition to the deregulation of the broadcast industry back in 1981 or no, 1980, um, because it let anybody and their brother into the business. Now, I'm not opposed to anybody and their brother getting into the business, but if you don't know what the if you don't know what the standards are, how in the world are you going to make the, the 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 product that you're producing quality? And I've noticed a lot of people they just don't care. They just don't care what the quality of their product is. And it's one of the things that's always bothered me in every aspect of our lives, especially political, but especially when you look at advertisements. I've always felt this way. If you criticize your competitor, no matter what the product or service is, then that tells me you do not have enough of what it takes to make it And I won't buy your product because you should be focusing on promoting you and your product, not cutting down the other guy. Right. What's what's positive about things, not focusing on that negative. Yeah. Yeah. And look at politics today. Just, you know, just politics alone. Uh, That's that's all they do is they criticize the other guy, which tells me they don't have a lot to offer in spite of, again, all of the other rhetoric that you hear. Um, it's just, it's, and it's frustrating. And, and, and then the other aspect of it too is how is this helping us to move forward as a civilization, as a society? 
How is cutting down your neighbor productive? I, I, I just don't get it. And maybe it's because I was bullied in school. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I just, I've, I've had enough of it. And it's like, come on, people, grow up, you know? Yeah, and that's why in, in, in Ninja Cat there are uh, several examples of that kind of behavior and then pointed out in that same way where, you know, how is it productive? Like, what is the point of that? There's um, a, a few pages where there's a family uh, living out in the country and, you know, they, they get approved for that new credit card. So now they're going to go to the city and, you know, stay in a hotel, go to a baseball game. And while they're in the city, they have an encounter with, you know, there's a country family and, a, and, a, and an urban fella, you know, that uh, they have an interaction with. And the country family has their judgments. And then the city has their judgments on the country. And they're both negative and they're both unproductive and the kid in the story and the cat, you know, are the only two characters slapping their heads. Like, what are you adults talking about? Like, this is, this is crazy. Like you're sitting there making judgments about people saying nasty things for no real reason. That doesn't even make sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with your take on how things are right now. And that's why I'm just trying to, you know, show that to my son, um, truthfully, but also, like I said, with that, you know, scratch my head, like, I don't know why people still think that way, but they do. And it is silly. And it should seem silly that someone's going to judge another person, you know, for reasons that are clearly not relevant, you know, to being a good person. Um, whether it's the stuff you own, the way you look, uh, where you're from, you know, I've been judged both ways. I'm from, you know, uh, the Seattle area in California, which out here, boy, that does not sit as well with people. When you come in talking about I'm from California, they will judge you harshly in North Dakota for that. And then I move down here, you know, to the city and you say you're from North Dakota and then they think you're from the country and you're an idiot. So I've been judged as a city <laughs> slicker and a country redneck, you know, like you, you, on both sides, you know, and you can't win. Correct. Yeah. So, you, you just can't win. Can you? <laughs> I can't. I, you know, I tell you. And then they find out I'm left handed and it's all downhill. Oh, man. <laughs> we have a store for you and it's way out in the North 40. Uh, you know, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm curious as to who came up with the idea for the book. I, my son and I did. I mean, it, it, it was, was collaborative. It was, a colla it was a collaborative effort. I uh, my previous book uh, was a memoir um, detailing some of those complicated uh, times that we discussed earlier. So uh, I was really itching to just write another book. But um, you know, when that book was published, my son was like four or five years old. So he was still at that phase where you just kind of you know, e easy to take care of, not a lot to teach yet. And so in yeah. the years that passed, as he got older, um, I use my real world around me for inspiration. And it just the content of it was like, okay, I got a lot of kids stuff on my mind. I got a lot of lessons to teach him on my mind. So the outlet, um, you know, with the inspiration of having a cat and how, how important the cat was, you know, to my son and his life and our lives and, um, as a character, a vehicle to teach things. So it's coming through this character and these characters in the story. And I can create this uh, animal world where I can express these ideas more simply uh, and more effectively to teach him the things that 
he's asking me about that I'm not able to explain as a dad, but I can explain as an author a lot easier. And then hopefully it's something that, you know, can pass on. Some other kid can read it too. And they can talk to their parents now about some of these issues that maybe, you know, otherwise would have just not gotten talked about for how many more years, you know, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, um, ever, or, or did they just <laughs> learn on the fly? Yeah. So, um, the story kind of came out of necessity and a creative um, need to produce something helpful, you know, with my time. Yeah. And speaking of time, if today were your last day on earth, what would you want to leave your son with? I would want to leave him with hope that despite all of the seemingly endless negative energy uh, being conveyed through the media, uh, you know, on the roads, the way that we treat one another on a pretty consistent basis, that that is not absolute, that there are people trying to help one another, that it's okay to, um, that it's okay to put yourself first emotionally, but to think about others and what you do with your time here on this, on this earth, because we don't got that long. I feel like I'm on borrowed time already with some of the <laughs> close calls that I've had and to just really be like Lando and just enjoy each day as it comes. Cause no matter how much you stress or how much anxiety you put toward tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be what tomorrow's going to be. And today is here though. And if you can't enjoy today, even if tomorrow works out, are you even happy with that? You know, so, uh, really just teach him that it can get better, that it's not as gloomy as it might seem. Don't deny that things are how they are, but you can be that change in your world and hopefully have a positive impact on other people. Justin Donner, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program, sharing with us Ninja Cat, Whiskers of Choice, along with your son, who's the illustrator, editor, collaborator, uh, Corrigan. And uh, uh, we really do appreciate the fact that uh, this is going to be part of your legacy, obviously, as well, and that um, folks will pick up a copy by going to ninjacatbook.com. That's ninjacatbook.com. We will be linked to that website so people can find out more about you and Corgan as well as uh, get a copy of uh, the book. And I'm, uh, I was going to ask you if this book has been made into anything audible yet, but as I look through it and obviously have read some of this, I'm thinking, well, it's not really going to translate too well because too much is going to have to be described, and that's subjective. So uh, it looks like to me... I think it's a. I think it's something that would be a lot of fun. But you also have some other components uh, that I also noticed too, which I think is very cool. You have uh, uh, additional. Uh, let's see here. You can visit ninjacatbook.com for more character information. But there's also a coloring book and a sketchbook. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, we we drew it in a way we wanted to be different. The you book know? itself, so yeah. The style that we drew it in kind of looks like a handwritten book. You know, it's printed, it's professional, sure. but it it looks like maybe someone just drew this for you. Yeah. Uh, so the same way that he and I have drawing lessons, we tend to color and um, uh, enhance, modify. You know, kind of 
uh, check out the pictures. And so we encourage people to just add your own stuff, add an outfit, add another character if you want to draw along with it. I mean, don't take it too seriously. Uh, pages in the back there if you wanted to sketch along with. So that's kind of the uh, the reasoning behind the formatting and the style of the book is to encourage kids to just doodle along with it. You know, draw your own books. You and, know? And, really... and don't worry about staying within the lines. Nah, it's never. Okay. Never. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Justin, again, thank you so much. And uh, uh, before we let you go, I have three final questions for you, but I also want to invite you uh, and uh, and your son, if, if it were possible, if you ever find yourself out here in Santa Barbara, we'd love to have you in studio to talk more about some of these things that are really important. Uh, I, I, know I myself, I'm not a father. I don't have any kids uh, floating around anywhere. Um, and so I have to sort of live vicariously through other other kids in that respect and try to impart what I can uh, as I as I move forward. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for for what you as a dad have done. I'm grateful for what my dad as a dad has have done in terms of imparting to me. So uh, thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. No, thank you, Richard. It was great to great to talk to you. And yeah, we're always we're always trying to find excuses to visit the West Coast. So there you, you go. Know, yeah, absolutely. We'll keep in touch and uh, hopefully work that out sooner than later. Absolutely. First of the three questions, you may have addressed these uh, in answers throughout the interview, but I'd like to ask these directly. First of them is, who is Justin Donner? Just a just a regular guy, uh, just a regular guy. I happen to have a couple of couple of talents that uh, have allowed me to do some things to help some people out. But at the end of the day, I'm just a, a guy trying to raise a happy, healthy kid, uh, be a good be a good spouse, be a good uh, just a good member of the community. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Uh, to inspire, um, to inspire, uh, you know, anyone that feels like they're uh, got the odds against them that you can, whether it's a personal demons or you just feel like society is has you your back against the wall, that you can, in fact, overcome uh, whatever the hardships are facing you. It's it's tough, but. Um, I, I really think that there is always hope, no matter how bleak a situation can get. There is always hope. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To teach, inspire, um, you know, encourage laughter, encourage joy. Um, I think my purpose here is to uh, really engage people, though, to talk about things that are not easy to talk about, a facilitator of tough topics. I think that's really that's really what I'm here to do is to get people thinking and talking about things that are very, very necessary, but can also be very, very difficult. Justin Donner, again, I thank you so much uh, for the time here on the program. And again, I encourage people to go to the website, which is ninjacatbook.com. That's ninjacatbook.com. Justin Donner is the, uh, we'll call him the co-author along with his son, Corrigan. And uh, we thank you for being a part of the program. And we thank you for listening. And we hope that you will join us uh, each time. Go to the podcast, listen to the entire interview. And uh, we thank you again for supporting us financially. If you'd like to do so through PayPal or Patreon, uh, those links are there on the homepage as well as the radio shows page and the missions page of richarddugan.com. Until next time, love to lull.